Anything and everything we had planned to do on this week's show just got put in an incredible blender about uh, two hours ago when the club announced that Greg Vanny had stepped down as Toronto FC head coach. We thought we'd be talking about the end of the season on this week's edition of Wake the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. Instead, we're talking about the end of an era. My name is Mitchell Tierney. Today, we'll react to the shocking Greg Vanny departure news, talk Toronto FC's other end-of-season roster changes, off-season priorities, Iowa Canola's international future, and so so much more. John Molinaro will stop by in a half an hour to bring us the latest on Forge FC's CONCACAF League preparation, as well as they prepare for a very big fixture for them tonight. Uh, but let's not waste any more time setting the stage uh, because there's a lot of drama that still needs to be played on in this week's show. Michael, Jeff, how you guys doing? <laughs> Hold on, Mitch. You're not, you're not going anywhere without talking about your scarf right now. Come on. <laughs> Talk to me. I mean, uh, you know, had to uh, had to pay tribute to the gaffer, had to pay tribute to Greg Vanny on his uh, this is his last day, I guess, as Toronto FC head coach. Um, yeah, it's also very cold in this room, so that that played a tiny part of it as well. I don't know if we forgot to pay the hydro bill, but um, yeah, we got mainly some Greg snow Vanny outside. Coach. Yeah, that yep. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously. Uh, um, it's tough to put into words what this date means for Toronto FC fans, um, Toronto FC players, and Toronto FC as a whole. Because Greg Vanny was synonymous with Toronto FC's success um, in 2014 when they started to turn the page. It was Greg Vanny who was leading that charge. And, you know, we'll, we'll shout out Martin Bailey early, just a fun stat. Greg Vanny has 28 more wins that all of the other Toronto FC coaches combined add them all up every other coach bef- before Greg Vanny I believe there's eight of them combine all of those wins and you have 28 less than what Greg Vanny managed to achieve in his what six years of being at Toronto FC mm-hmm. his his loss is one that will hurt immensely his loss is one that will will be felt for for a few years um, and it's a, it's a sad day for, for Toronto Seas fans, supporters, um, it's just all around, just, just, it's a sad day. Um, I wanted to get your guys thoughts on, on what the, the move was. What are yeah, thoughts? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to the, you mentioned the 28 wins. Like, that's not like something that's going to be broken next season either. Like that'll take a couple of years for the next manager in, in combination with all the other managers to to break down but yeah the legacy for Vanny speaks for itself I mean as you said more wins than all the other Toronto FC coaches combined MLS Cup Supporters Shield three conference championships three Voyagers Cups MLS and CONCACAF coach of the year most importantly four-time Trillium Cup champion um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff uh what you, what man no to add? no Jeff's not, not a happy really. camper no, uh, there's way too much to unpack. I mean, I need to preface that I don't think I'm capable of anything but a hot take today. So <laughs> bear that in mind. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Right, I know. So- I know. Michael uh, was at the press conference, and and like I said, there's there's. I have a lot of questions, and and while we were leading into going live. He said he had a lot of the answers, so I am just as curious as everybody else to hear what he what he has to say right now. Well, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room, Jeff, and that was the position Toronto FC were in, I guess, a few weeks ago, um, and that was when Greg Vanny was, you know, talking to media, telling telling us that the deal was pretty much all but done. Um, and not only that, the very next day, you had Bill Manning on on 590 radio he was talking about how he had a glass of wine with greg vanny that very night and how they're inching closer um ali curtis echoed those same sentiments so i guess that real question is is what happened between six weeks ago when tfc were in contention at the um you know they're in first in the supporter shield race to, to now where greg vanny has decided to step down from the club what i will say is just greg vanny in this press conference is it sounded like him telling media that the deal was really close. It almost sounded like that was a little bit strategic. What we learned was Toronto FC, they, they were doing everything they could to sign Greg Vanny. It was just a matter of putting pen to paper, right? It wasn't a numbers issue. It wasn't about the, the amount of years he was getting. It wasn't about the amount of money that he was getting. At the end of the day, it was going to come down to Greg Vanny and Greg Vanny alone. He had an offer on the table since July, Uh, I'm not sure if it was a blank check or whatever it was, but regardless, money wasn't the issue. He took his time with that decision, perhaps with the idea of potentially even leaving in the back of his mind, but he took his time to make that decision. And, you know, he, he let us know today that it was a little, honestly, a little bit strategic of him to sort of let the media know that a deal was close just to take that, that pressure off of, you know, the club as they're going towards the postseason. So I don't think this is a decision that Vanny has known for a while. I think it's, it's a possibility that he knew for a while. I mean, his contract was up at the end of the year. It's something we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. But I do think it, like I said, he knew it was a possibility. And then I guess all the, all the dominoes fell into, pay, into place and Greg Vanny uh, decided to take the high route there. What yeah, other questions um, do you guys have? I'll, I'll see if I can do my best to answer because there's a bunch to take away from that uh, that interview. I'm almost I'm almost afraid to go down the dark path of the rabbit go. hole. Send it. It feet. You know, how do I put this? We saw this with Seba in 2018, uh, where his his in, his pursuit of an individual. There's my fire alarm, guys. Bring the chaos. How hot the take's about to be. Uh, uh, I just want to know how long he knew. And then that naturally leads to what was the knock-on effect of that in terms of of the team's performance, in terms of relationships in the locker room, in Uh terms of, uh, uh, of any kind of responsibility, in terms of the center holding. Um, you know, I don't say it lightly, but we can agree that that Seba introduced almost a cancer to the TFC locker room in 2018. And, and it was only after he had left that that little detail started to to surmise about how much it affected everything. Um, I, you know, I have to I have to look at the Vanny situation under the under the same context. Uh, and if he did know that much in advance you know, did he, did he take his foot off the gas? Um, Mike, you, you made an interesting tweet 
that I collected in, in what's going to be a 4,000 page long Twitter social media uh, uh, wrap up post that will drop on WTR later. Thanks for the assignment. It was so much non-fun. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, what was your take? Uh, maybe playing in East Hartford plays into it. Maybe the possibility of playing in East Hartford next year plays into it. Um, you know, it's all on the table, man. Uh, there's way too much to unpack. You know, it's it's way too fresh. Like uh -huh. two hours ago, I think we were all like, are we actually doing a show today? Because the most we could muster was dropping F-bombs in a group chat. So, uh, you know, it, 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 there's there, it's all open. It's all it's open season. It's open, silly season on figuring out what the hell just happened. Yeah. What I will say is between the Seba situation and the Vanny situation, I think the main difference is that Vanny's leaving under his own terms. Vanny's leaving at a time where he, he, he wanted to leave him and his family. They discussed and they decided, you know, now is, is the right time to, to leave. And it wasn't, be again, it wasn't because of money. It wasn't because of what Toronto FC were offer. It's because it was a, a bunch of different reasons that he set out. Um, he mentioned that he was a builder. So was there, was there building left to be done at Toronto FC now? Or are there other projects perhaps that are more intriguing to him now? And, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But again, it, it's it's different than, than Seba that I would say. Because Seba, Seba hurt in ways that like in franchise altering ways, Seba hurt. Like when Seba departed Toronto FC, that was the end of, of an era. Um, I think, I think the same note, it, it is an end of an era for Greg Vanny, but a star player, I think has a little bit more impact than, than a head coach in my opinion. How do you guys feel about that? Mike, I hope you are 1 zillion percent right. This is for you, buddy. <laughs> I, I hope I am too, but how do you guys feel about that? I'm interested. Is star player leaving versus a head coach? Hmm. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree. Uh, with what? I mean, we've gone good. in a thousand yeah. different directions. Over that, time, that's right? fair. No, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the, with the head coach being um, less, uh, less important than a star player, um, just because... I don't know the, the system and, and the culture that Vanny instituted here carried on past Seba. I mean, they got to another MLS cup. It, it, it was never quite the same, but um, I don't think that's necessarily Seba's departure. That that was the full cause of that. And uh, I did just want to mention on the, on the Seba Vanny sort of comparison on their, on their ouster. Um, the one thing that I think makes a big difference is how public it was. Uh, again, you said, um, Greg Vanny tried to like, even if he wasn't sure whether he's coming back, he tried to downplay that in the media or <laughs> Seba very much. Uh, no, very no, much Mitch, Mitch, that's rose colored that. glasses. I remember Seba did a, a sit down with KJ and Josie like two weeks before I was on vocal minority. And we were, you know, vo we, uh, when I guessed on vocal minority, we were talking about the potential of him leaving. And it was the mm -hmm. same as when, uh, Mike shot me down for bringing up the, uh, the Vanny to LA Galaxy rumors like two, three weeks ago. Like it's just, it's never going to happen. It was that shocking. Um, it was only after 2018 ended and, and we started to hear about uh, Greg, Greg Vanderveel and, and, and <laughs> then people started to get a lot less guarded about what was going. And we still don't know the whole story, but we definitely mm -hmm. got the impression that Seba was putting himself on a pedestal above and beyond the needs of the club in pursuit of his own ends. Right. Um, now, so there, whether, there was a there was a disagreement there, right? Mm -hmm. Between yeah. Seba and the club. 
there's no disagreement here between Gray Vanny and the club. Let's let's just make that perfectly clear. Sure, I think- but but there was a disconnect between how far. Listen, if 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 I know I'm leaving a job in six months, I'm not giving it a hundred percent anymore. And I but think that's 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 unfair for you to say that he knew that he was leaving. I'm just saying what I'm seeing from the tweets suggests that this wasn't like he he didn't make a decision yesterday. He's been thinking about it all year and thinking about it all year. The words uh, thinking yeah. about it hold all on, year. Hold on. Let me stop you there. He, okay. he told me that the decision was ultimately made at the end of the season after TFC were eliminated. He sat down, spoke to his family and, and they decided that that was when that, you know, they came to that conclusion. Um, well, it, was, that all, it was a possibility. That absolutely of course. sucks. That absolutely sucks. I'd almost rather that it was a preordained thing than him going, uh, well, you know, we're, we crashed out in the first round. Screw these guys. Because that's no kind of what I... Listen, hot takes. I'm incapable of anything else, guys. I'm here to bring the fire. But, <laughs> like, I mean, how can you not see it that way? Like, you know, either either it was it was a going concern in his head for five, six months, which means mm-hmm. that, he, that he was operating... You know, there was something in the cortex that wasn't achieving success with TFC, right? There was some niggling doubt that manifests itself in a universe of, of other niggling doubts and just became a snowball of niggling doubts. Um, but if the decision was made after we crashed out, mm, boy, howdy, you know? So, so what you'd want him to leave midway through a pandemic season where they're in Hartford because he doesn't want to, to finish this year with Toronto FC. Like I, Mitch, I, think I don't know the left. answers. These are hot takes. That's why they're called hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, but the, I don't know. I, th- I think the way he he left kind of leaves the club in, in the best situation it could be. I mean, it's what, like a week after the season's done? And the season isn't technically even done in an MLS greater context. So this leaves the club with plenty of time to find a replacement, to work through all of these different things. If he'd left, you know, at, at any other time or or even announced again that he was leaving at the end of the season, like the, the distractions, and there were already a ton of them th- this year, would have been incredibly high. Yeah, and I also gonna kind of. I also don't think this is the last piece of news we're gonna hear from Toronto FC. Perhaps even today, um, mm-hmm. I just got word that Bill Manning and Ali Curtis are are gonna speak to media shortly. Um, so we'll we'll see what comes of that as well. Um, but obviously they're gonna they're gonna talk a lot about Vanny and, and what he meant. But I, I'm interested to find out a lot more about that because there's a ton 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 of tfc content to get to beyond just greg vanny today mm-hmm. obviously that's the biggest news and rightfully so but there's a lot going on behind the scenes in toronto FC right now yeah i did also want to mention uh joshua cloak at the athletic reporting that uh dan kalishman who's another assistant in that greg vanny coaching staff probably on his way out as well so um you know you, you never you never fully expect the entire coaching staff to stay together when there's a new head coach and usually they like to have their there are deputies guys. that come in as well, mm-hmm. but there's confirmation on that, that it won't probably just be Vanny um, on his way out right now. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll put a stopper in, in, in that conversation for now. There's there's so much more we could get into there, but uh, there, as as Michael said, I mean, we were already <laughs> tight for time before, before this Greg Vanny. Before you wrap happened. up there, I want to I yeah, tell the one Greg Vanny story that I, um, I tweeted out there a little bit. Um, that was... Greg, it was his own personal story, and he was asked, uh, 
I forget how the Vanny out crowd was sort of weaved into it, but he was asked sort of what it means to walk away from Toronto FC after, you know, a bunch of successful years. And he recalled the story during his, his first game when he was walking out and there was a group of fans behind him and they yelled his very first game. They yelled to him. I hope that he's renting. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, Six years later, that that wasn't the case, and I think those those fans have kind of come around. But when Greg Vanny first arrived in Toronto, he wasn't welcomed with open arms. This was a new sort of head coach that a lot of people were skeptical about, and rightfully so with the past that the team had. But he defied everything that we've known before that, and he set a different standard for the level of coaching at Toronto FC. Um, so just you know to hear that little anecdote from him, just to see it come full circle, I think that. That just says wonders. <laughs> just shrugs, <laughs> just shrugs. Um, yeah, I guess let's move on to the other players who potentially might be leaving. Of, of course, with any options declined, that sort of thing, there's there's no guarantee that uh, these players will be leaving. And Toronto FC have already said that they they are hoping to reach out to Pablo Piatti, who is. The, the main one, the headliner on the list, if you will, um, his, his management and, and the player himself to see if they can get a deal done. But he won't be coming back as a designated player next season that much. Uh, we know for sure. Um, let's discuss that a little bit, obviously, because I, I think I fired out a tweet that maybe was a little bit of a hot take after after the uh, the Toronto FC exit to Nashville um, that maybe felt like I was singling out Piatti a little bit. I, I That's never the case. I'm very big on the player and very big on his abilities and what he brought to the team this season. And again, he's he's the only maybe starting quality MLS winger on Toronto FC right now. At, at this moment, again, as we've said a million times, I think Jaden Nelson gets there maybe even as, as soon as the start of next season. But with that being said, I don't know that he put up enough this season to be considered a designated player. You need game breakers as designated players. And I don't think Piatti's quite a game breaker in MLS. I think he's... He's a player that helps the team a lot, but uh, be a game breaker. Yeah, let's talk about Toronto FC's roster itself right now. Um, they're at 28 out of 30 players after making all of those roster decisions. So that leaves two open open roster spots. Now, um, we did lose Mitch for just mm-hmm. a second. That's right, I'll oh, keep sure going. Um, those two roster spots that Toronto FC have to fill. They have no left back right now. You know, you have Aro and, and Richard Luria who can kind of sort of play there, but both Tony Gallagher and uh, Justin Moore are right now out of contract. Again, there's only two spots on TFC's roster right now. The Reds also lost both of their their center backs, their their backup center backs, sorry, uh, in Lawrence Simon and Eric Zavaleta. So there's your third and fourth string center backs who are, again, no longer on the roster with, again, two roster spots to fill. You also have to use one of those roster spots on a designated player. So let's make it one roster spot to fill. And you have all of those holes right now. So what we're going to see, uh, obviously, there, there, there are workarounds to this. So what we're going to see is maybe even some trades. Mm-hmm. But I think more than likely is we're going to see their loan, uh, their young players get loaned out again. Um, that ultimately does free up a roster spot, giving them some room. But right now, again, 28 out of 30 players, there's not much wiggle room for Toronto FC to play with right now. And they have to really assess what their their biggest needs are is it a center back is it a is it a left back um is it a, another winger like what what does this team really really need for me for sure you have to get a left back um 
if with I, yeah, I think regardless of what coach we hire, we need a left back, right? In terms of in terms of wingers, uh, we can throw the pursuit of the four three three uh Guardiola Tam Winger out with uh with with the Greg father I think and and we need to be adaptable for whatever new coach new hotness brings in in terms of how he wants to set up mm-hmm. yeah they'll be going after a designated player winger I'm, I'm fairly confident in saying that unless okay. they can kind of swing a deal and uh you know acquire a, a really sturdy you know MLS caliber winger um I think the winger has to be the biggest priority there, especially if you're not bringing back Piatti. Um, another thing I want to mention on that Piatti uh, sort of note is Toronto FC have set the bar with, with Pablo Piatti, declining Pablo Piatti's contract, meaning they saw what Piatti gave last year. He, uh, We've been on the show saying he was our best winger. Uh, he, he was very good in his time with MLS. He developed a great relationship with Alejandro Pozuelo. But for them to move on past Piatti now signifies just how good of a player they're they're hoping for in their designated player. And for me, that should be exciting for a Toronto FC fan because I think there's not many of us who would have blinked twice if if the team re-upped Pablo Piatti and you know brought him back as a designated player. I think a lot of us would have been comfortable with that because of the, the body work that he did show us. But the fact that they're moving on from him again, I, I that's exciting from a Toronto FC fan perspective. The only reason I would have been happy with him back in 2021 is because of external con- concerns with respect to the transfer market and the state of the world with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question, and and I already know the answer, but I just want to make sure we understand the context while we're discussing Pablo. So they've they've declined the option to to bring him back at the same money they were paying him last season, right? Great. Which means that he's eligible for the MLS reentry draft. And any other team can take him, but that does not mean that they can't still negotiate with him and potentially get him down on a cheaper deal, right? Am I yeah, so so, now, so they can re- renegotiate right now, and that the hope is that the, he'll he'll be willing to come back on a cheaper deal. Obviously, not a designated player. Not a designated player. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. we know any behind the scenes information? Do we know if he was approached uh, with the with the potential to to uh, re up on Tam, and he said, "No, I want to be a DP in this league." Like, nah, no, nothing, we're not sure. We haven't, we haven't heard okay. about like whether or not he was approached by that. But what we have heard is Ali Curtis and, and Piatti's side, his camp, they're having ongoing negotiations. Um, Are they sitting down for a glass of wine? When I hear they sit down for a glass of wine, I know that he's that he's that he's vapor, but that's besides the truth. Um, and we also know from from Piatti from his side that he's told us he's he's loved his time in Toronto this year. Uh, he, it was important for him to you know find a place that his family really enjoyed and his family really liked. So from that perspective, like he he enjoys Toronto. Um, so we'll see. Again, I, I laid out the roster spots there. I mean, we have we have a it's, question it's tight. It's uh, tight. from Nicholas, and it was: Can teams exceed roster spots during the off season? I I don't believe so. I could be wrong about that, but I don't believe so. I mean, Los Angeles Galaxy can because they're the Galaxy. I, I remember <laughs> all the articles every year that they, they're going into the season with 15 extra first team players. And how the hell are they going to figure it out? Uh, so that maybe maybe be, they're allowed to. I, I could be wrong about that. But um, regardless, decisions are going to have to be made. And mm-hmm. I'll I'll kind of relate this. This kind of go a little offbeat here, but this is sort of a unique time for Toronto FC because they have a lot of players that are veterans and veteran very good players who they're paying a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Chris Avinga, the Ozo, the Michael Bradleys, the, you know, you can even throw Josie Altador in there. But they also have oh, a I lot am. of <laughs> they also have a lot of young up and coming talent that is very cheap on on the roster. Like your homegrown players, they're I don't even know if they they really carry a cap hit on their roster. So you have the likes of Jaden Nelson, the Io Akinolas, those guys right now before they have to get into that next contract. I think now's the time for Toronto FC to really take advantage of that because, like I said, you're not quite at that youth movement yet. You're kind of at that perfect balance where you have really, really good players, and then you have the, this up and coming youth movement that is that's cheap and um, it's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where uh, where do we get to there before I dropped offline? <laughs> oh I, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Mitch left for a second, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, um, no, I don't know. I, I was just busy my option. Uh, my option got declined. Sorry, guys. Oh, really? <laughs> damn, damn, damn. Um, why don't Why don't we talk about Tony Gallagher and sort of sure. that decision a little bit? Um, I don't think it was o- the club's decision, was it? It was. It was. Just oh, the- it was. It, I believe it was the club's decision because it was ah. confirmed to me that that the club did have a purchase option on Tony Gallagher's contract. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it, it has to work out mutually with both Tony Liverpool and Toronto FC. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Gallagher was very candid, very open in an interview with Sky Sports where we talked about this last week is he, he hasn't stepped foot in BMO field yet. Mm-hmm. Um, this wasn't really the experience and obviously it's due to the pandemic, but this wasn't really the experience that he expected when he signed with Toronto. He wasn't expecting to go play for East Hartford. Right, he was he was expecting to to live in Toronto, you know, play in that city. So I just wonder how much that sort of played into that. Um, again, I think Tony Gallagher, th- I think that's a decent loss for the club because they, they had him cheap. He, I, I, from what I'm my understanding, he wasn't that expensive on the salary budget, um, and he's obviously only 21 years old, so it could have been an investment in the future. Uh, but hey, things don't work out. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, we don't know whatever the reason it was, but his his loan will be expiring at the end of the year, and he'll be returned to Liverpool. And that's it. That's that's we've heard that there's that's that's it. There's no mm-hmm. more discount. So I mean, he'll, there's he'll always the a- possibility mm-hmm. that Liverpool decides to loan him back out in January, uh, right. which he he did mention. But that could be you know to a different club not named Toronto FC. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's uh, that's Benedict. He's saying could exploring a second loan. Caliger be an option and you just answered that question so. of course yeah it could yeah. definitely definitely be an option but um i think some loans have to go out of toronto c before they can come in mm-hmm. yeah yeah i would agree with that i wonder with how well uh Gallagher played though if this is something that toronto c try to do again because you know we've seen a guy like louis banks over in, in the montreal impact you know come out of a kind of a similar situation of the tottenham hotspurs academy and it seems like these young European guys are more willing to to come over here and get that professional playing time and and what's proving to be a good environment and, and do very well in it. So, you know, I, I think that the the success of the Gallagher move um, will probably mean that Toronto FC t- tries this again and you know hopefully they can they can build some good relationships because a club like Liverpool, you know, with with all the young players that they constantly need to loan out every year to to get those pro minutes, um, you know, that that something like that could have dividends. Absolutely, absolutely. I apologize again. It looks like my fire alarm's going a little mental, but uh, today is the day for chaos. So let's just, <laughs> let's just lean into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's quickly then. Uh, I think John's coming coming on momentarily here. Yeah, let's I'm quickly... going to trade places here, at John, just because I'm going to sure. hop off and, and get on that media call. But I'm sure you guys will be more than more than well taken care of with JMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, 
Enjoy that. Uh, enjoy that call. I'm sure yeah, there's plenty more news coming down looking, the line. Looking yeah. forward to details with with bated breath. I'm I'm scared. I'm a little terrified <laughs> about what's what's about to happen. Um, but Jeff, yeah, let's let's talk quickly about here the the players they have picked up the options on uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Silva, Julian Dunn, Nick DeLeon, Sebastian Endo, mm-hmm. uh, Frazier, uh, Funiachi Achara, and Io Akinola. Um, Achara is the one that stands out to me because, you know, Toronto FC have, I guess, essentially already made two signings for next season. They've got Achara coming in and they've got Peruzza coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, both players that I'm pretty high on, the sample size is very minuscule with, with Achara. Um, but with, with that being said, uh, you know, he's, he's a player that could very well factor into, you know, the 11 or at least the 18 heavily next season. Yeah, I mean, judging from from his uh, his strong start, I'm excited to see what he what he can do with a with a full season uh, uh, to play with. Now, uh, is he all, like he's pretty uh, um, he's pretty adaptable? Like he's not just a straight center forward; he can also play on the wings, right? Achara. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, well, I actually think that was his original position for Toronto FC. They were going to play him as a center forward. That was their plan before, you know, obviously he went down at the uh, MLS's back tournament. But right, right, right. he can be a wide threat for Toronto FC, which, again, is why, you know, he, he could be um, a heavy factor next season if he can get in. Yeah, here's hoping. Here's hoping. I think John's here. Yep. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll bring on uh, John Molinaro now as we continue this uh, this day of chaos on the show. Um, yeah, we're, we are very excited uh, to welcome a long overdue guest to, to Waking the Red Weekly, uh, Director of Content for CampyL.ca, John Molinaro. Great to have you. Hey, guys. How's Any, it going? Any, good. Anything going on today? Or? <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just, a couple of, uh, just a couple of things, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My Slow building's news. exploding. So. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess let's just get your thoughts off the top here on probably the, the biggest bit of news. Um, Greg Vanny departing Toronto FC and, and what that means for the club going forward. Um, well, obviously, it's it's a big lot, right? I mean, he was so instrumental in the sort of transformation of this club. I mean, I can't sort of overstate how much of a um, part of my language shit show TFC was when <laughs> When he came aboard, I mean, they were the laughing stock of the league. And, you know, I would argue along with Michael Bradley and, and Tim Bezbachenko, I don't know that there's been more important people at TFC in terms of turning around not just the fortunes of the club on the field, but changing the culture at the team as well. I mean, he was hugely instrumental. Um, you know, and it's a sad day because, I mean, you know, and, and Mitch, you know, because you've dealt with Greg a lot. I mean, he was just generally a good guy, a very decent human being. Um, you know, people are going to write a lot about, you know, the success he had on the field at TFC, and that's certainly understandable, and I don't mean to downplay it at all. Um, but for me, what stands out the most about him was just his his generosity of spirit, his kindness, and his just overall humanity. He was a good guy. I mean, I don't know that there was another coach in all of Toronto sports who was more generous with his time more patient with reporters than he was. I mean, you know, he could, he would talk for as long as you want. I mean, I, I know other coaches in this market, you know, are kind of looking at their watch when they're in scrums and looking to get out of there. But he, you know, he would talk for as long as you want and he would, you know, give thoughtful, uh, you know, answers and really sort of engage with the media. So that's the thing 
um, you know, for me that uh, really stands out about him. I mean, what it means for for TFC is huge because now we're definitely entering a new era for the club, and um, you know that this new person has to work hand in hand with uh, Ali Curtis as they sort of reshape and, and remodel the club. And I suspect there's going to be more changes at the club this offseason. So there's no, I don't think there's any question that his departure means you know this is a new era and a changing of the guard, so to speak, at the club. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Damn. Yeah, <laughs> testify. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah. So, so what are what are some of those other challenges you think are, are facing the club? Obviously, now they've got to get themselves a new head coach, but what are what are some of the other off-season priorities for Toronto FC other than, you know, the, the leading man, I guess? Well, replacing Gade as, as a third designated player, obviously that's sort of crucial. And they've got to figure out not just who to replace it, but how, how are they going to replace it? I mean, do they want to go with a player of a similar profile? Do they want to go with someone younger? Do they want to go with uh, a different position? I mean, these are all sort of pressing questions. I think, too, I mean, I think there is a general sense amongst those of us who cover the team and even inside the organization that this is a team that has to get a little bit younger, that, you know, there is an aging core there that are, you know, they're not certainly on their last legs, and they're certainly not over the hill, but have have lost a pace and step. So this team, I think, has to inject a little bit of youth into the lineup. Um, so that's a pressing sort of need. And I think they have to make a decision about Josie as well, because, you know, I, I will raise my hand and say, you know, I'm the biggest Josie Altador supporter in terms of what he's meant for this club. But I don't think he can overlook, you know, this past the past two seasons and his injury woes. And can they continue to carry on uh, you know, his salary and, a, you know, a designated player spot with a player who you don't know if you're going to get 30 plus games from him. Um, they may want to move him on, but I mean, is another MLS team going to sort of pick up his salary and the risk that comes with, with him? I mean, I don't know. So these are all sort of pressing issues for the club, but I, I think, you know, for me, replacing Piatti and, injecting a little bit more youth into the team are sort of the big priorities for the off season. Mute myself. Uh, so uh, uh, it's no secret that you've covered this team since its inception, John. Uh, where would you rank this season on a scale of uh, Cooverman's worst team in the world to uh, <laughs> 2017 six on a wave treble drunk Josie speech at Nathan, uh, Nathan Phillips. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. At a, whatever the hell the name of the downtown square is. <laughs> yeah, oh, good, good, good. Um, <laughs> it's probably, you know, it, it's, well, it's definitely not on the Danny Cooperman scale of things. It's it's more towards, I would say, put it on par with probably the 2016 season in which they, you know, reached MLS Cup final, but, 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 but lost it. I wouldn't put it up there with 2017 because for me, that's the, that's the greatest season in not just in TFC history, but probably one of the best by any MLS team. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to rate because of, you know, just how strange 2020 was, right? With the pandemic and the, you know, the bubble tournament and then playing abroad in, in, in Hartford and being away from their families. I mean, you can't, I mean, and the same goes for Montreal and Vancouver. They were pretty much in the same boat, but you can't sort of overstate how, how much of a challenge in trying this was was for the coaching staff and the players to be in that situation and have to go through all that. Um, again, that's not an excuse for them falling short in the playoffs. And full credit to Nashville because I thought they completely outplayed them in that game. 
but you know, it was, it, it did have, I think, you know, physical and psychological effects on the team. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was a successful season, but you know, I wouldn't put it up there with, with 2017. That was just, that's the pinnacle of all TFC seasons as far as I'm concerned. Uh, speaking of physical and mental ramifications, I mean, I, I, I keep circling back to Greg Vanny because it's like, it's a voice in my head now and probably will be for about four days. But do you think we're seeing the, that manifest now in terms of, of, of the movement in the off season, in terms of today's announcement? How do you mean, Jeffrey? Sorry. I, don't I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm grasping at straws, John. I said, all of my takes are going to be hot today. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I'm now, I'm now halfway through a Belgian sour. So that was an excellent and terrible idea, but, uh, you know, are, are we, you know, are we seeing the, the fallout from, from the, the Hartford experience? In terms oh, of, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I, you know, it probably certainly didn't help matters, but I don't think, you know, this was, oh, we crashed out of the first round of the playoffs, you know, I'm out of here. Or, oh, you know, we crashed out of the first playoffs, let's get rid of Greg. I think, you know, from what I've kind of talking to people, that this was – that it had been in the back of his mind somewhat throughout the season, and at least, you know, dating back to the summer. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was actually trading messages this morning with his wife, Amy Vanny, and she said that this was a very sort of emotional week for him, uh, you know, to come to this decision. So which leads me to believe that it was, you know, again, he probably had it in the back of his mind, you know, for a long time, but that, you know, it just things kind of came to a fruition, you know, most recently. I don't think it's, I don't think, you know, I don't think the loss in Hartford had much bearing on it. I think it was just a matter of, you know, he'd been at the team, at the helm of the team for seven years. Um, he accomplished a lot. I'm not sure there's much more else he could have done. Um, you know, and as he noted in his his call with media, with the media today, I mean, he's a builder. He's like who he's a guy who likes to take on projects. And, you know, I, I think this project is completed as far as he's concerned. It's, it's on to the next one. Now, whether that's going to be with LA or DC or Atlanta or, you know, I wouldn't rule out him possibly going abroad because he's always talked about, um, you know, he played abroad briefly in France with Bastion during his playing career. And, you know, I remember when Jesse Marsh left New York to go coach in, in Austria, he kind of mentioned to me that, you know, that's something that he possibly one day aspires to. So, um, you know, whether he gets opportunities, I don't know, but that, that wouldn't be something I would entirely rule out. But again, I don't think the loss in Hartford um, I don't think necessarily that was the tipping point or contributed to it in, in, in any major way. Now, how do you, oh, I, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, how do you sell that to a TFC fan? I mean, you, 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 you just said, you just said, you know, Greg's a builder. And I think the process in, in here in Toronto at TFC is over. How do you sell that to, to, to a fan base, especially coming off the back of our first exit in the first round since 2015, which was, you know, an absolute uh, 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 buzzkill. I mean, getting mm. getting trounced by by the impact off the back of you know Seba's wonder goal was was a really low point. So you know, it, it's hard. You know, we're all speaking in platitudes right now, and I I'm going sure. to spend a week apologizing for all of my hot takes today. But uh, uh, you know, how do you sell that? You know, I, I can't not see that as negative. Like when the words left your mouth, it just the gray cloud formed over my head. Right? Yeah. You put you're you're putting a, a you're you're putting an end date on this wonderful adventure that we've all been experiencing and, and, and I don't like it. So, yeah. you know, where, where do we go from here? Like, how do we spin this as a positive? Because right now it's just, 
it just seems all crazy bad for me, you know? So yeah, well, for- again, I mean, it, it is, it is a big loss for the club. I mean, how you sort of sell it is, you know, I think he's, I think how you sell it is that Greg has left, you know, despite the loss in, in Hartford and, and the first round exit, uh, I think he leaves the team and organization in very good shape. Um, you know, there are certainly tweaks to be made in the off season. Don't get me wrong. And we talked about them earlier. What with, you know, replacing Piatte and, and having to, you know, figure out what they want to do with Josie, if anything, and inject some youth in the team to say nothing of the matter that they've got to make decisions on guys like Justin Morrow and mm-hmm. Loro Samal and Eric Zavaleta and a few others. But I mean, overall, I think this team, he's left the team in a very good shape. Um, I think there's a good sort of foundation there. And, you know, when you look at sort of a lot of the young players that are there already, be it Liam Fraser or Akinola or Jake Nelson, um, you know, they came up through through Vanny. Now you can exactly. argue he should have played them a little bit more, and I can certainly I'm I'm certainly uh, sympathetic to those sort of arguments. But mm-hmm. there's a good core of veterans and a good core of you know emerging young talent there that could be um, you know the centerpiece and the cornerstones of the, of that franchise for a long time. So um, yes, it's a sad occasion, and, and again, I don't think there's any question that this is an end of an era with Greg going and all mm-hmm. things being equal. I think the organization and TFC fans in general would like to have Greg Vanny still at the helm of the team, but mm-hmm. not a dark day. I mean, I think there is there is plenty of uh, positives going on at the club, and while they're in they're, while they are in need of uh, some sort of tweaks and changes during the off season, uh, I still think the club is in a good place to go forward. Well, yeah, we can we can talk about Toronto FC all day, but um, mm-hmm. there obviously is another another massive story in Canadian soccer. Um, today with with Forge FC on on the brink of qualifying for the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, you know, what would that mean for, for the league and, and for Canadian soccer this early on in the process? Um, I don't think any of us expected a team to be this close um, from the Canadian Premier League this quickly. Yeah, I think it would be a massive moment, just not just for Forge and not just for the Canadian Premier League, but for Canadian soccer. I mean, you got to remember, this is a league that is essentially two years old. Mm-hmm. And Forge was, you know, formed just shortly before the, you know, the launch of the league. So to go from that to not even having a team, you know, um, two or three years ago to now being on the cusp of qualifying for the most prestigious club competition in CONCACAF, it's pretty, it's pretty mind-boggling when you think about mm-hmm. it. And you know, the fact that they've, the fact, the, the manner in which they've done it, gotten to this point, is what's kind of impressed me. I mean. They've had, you know, they had the grueling sort of island games where they were under in the bubble tournament, had to come home and quarantine, then travel to El Salvador and went on the road there, then come home and quarantine, then go down to Panama and beat Tauru FC, who are, um, you know, I would suggest one of the better teams in Central America, went down there, come back home. Now they're back down in in the Dominican Republic and they have to play a team from Haiti. Um, Just sort of the, 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 the... the, the run that they've been on and how they've done is, is what's been really sort of all, all uh, sort of awe striking for me like, doing it. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a major boon for, for Canadian soccer. If they can do this, I think it just shows how much, um, you know, the game is growing in Canada and how much the league has kind of grown in a short period of time and the standard of play. I mean, if you would, if you had told me, you know, last April when, you know, forge and, and, and York 9 FC played to a 1-1 draw in the CPL's inaugural game that <laughs> in two years, you know, one of them would be playing in, in the CONCACAF Champions League. I mean, I would have looked at you like you were like you were crazy. Uh, <laughs> but, 
But the fact that it is happening, I think, just speaks to, um, you know, the strength of the league, its commitment to giving Canadian talent opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise, and giving young Canadian talent opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, you look at this team, obviously, yeah, there's guys like David um, David Edgar and, and Kyle Becker, but there's also young talent like uh, David Chouanier and, and Anthony Novak and Jonathan Grant and Dom Samuel and so many others. So I think it just speaks to, um, you know, the CPL's uh, commitment to, you know, really developing Canadian talent. Absolutely. You've, met, you've mentioned that there have been kind of unique challenges in every game so far in this CONCACAF League process. Um, what are some of them you see going in today's game against Arakai? Because I, th- I think potentially this might be the first time where Forge is, you know, sort of considered the favorites. They certainly weren't mm-hmm. against the Taro team that, you know, has a pretty good legacy in CONCACAF and potentially against Lemenio, but you know, that, that in itself kind of brings some challenges as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, again, uh, I don't think the challenges are all that much different from the previous two ones, other than, you know, they've had to, you know, after winning in Toro, they had to go home. They had to quarantine for 14 days before they could even train together. They did that for a few days, then traveled down to, to uh, Santa Domingo and trained down there um, and play a team that, um, you know, frankly, they don't know a terrible amount about uh you know they they won their first round game by default because the i think the team from belize uh you know withdrew because of the uh, covid 19 uh, testing uh and you know they so they've only had one game in this competition and you know they have played a lot of domestic games in haiti but again it's it's hard to scout a team that um you know there's very little information on and you know you can't do a terrible amount of scouting on i mean it's i i searched far far and wide and i couldn't even find like an official Twitter page or Facebook page for the Persian <laughs> club. So uh, you can just imagine how difficult it must have been to get, uh, you know, game video. So I think that presents probably the biggest challenge for, for Forge. I'm not sure they, I think they have a sense of who Arkai is, but um, not really sort of generally specifics uh, about the team. I mean, we were able to purchase Lamino kits, so I, I have no idea. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, man, I just wish I had the shorts and the socks. I, I The socks. <laughs> Let's be honest, the socks. Um, I'm going to circle back because uh, would you say that that the uh, the performances of uh, of CPL teams in uh, CONCACAF competitions has been the biggest surprise of the CPL in, in year three, going into year three? Um, I think it's certainly one of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I certainly didn't expect Forge to get this far only because it's such a young team and the fact that they had to play on the road for all – for, for all these games. I mean, when you look at their Calgary League run last year, which was impressive too, mm-hmm. when they reached the round of 16, you know, both of their wins came at Tim Hortons Field. Um, you know, they didn't win uh, down in uh, Guatemala and they got trounced by Olympia in Honduras. So, you know, when when the bracket was announced and I kind of saw their path and and the, you know, the fact that they weren't going to play any home games, I certainly thought, mm, this is going to be, you know, a tough one because going down and getting results in Central America Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, is, is tough. Uh, you know, to have to do it, you know, two or three times in a row is going to be incredibly difficult, especially after, you know, the coming off, you know, the island games, which, uh, you know, they won, no doubt, um, but mm-hmm. wasn't sort of exactly smooth sailing either because of the circumstances around, you know, what's going on in the world. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly sort of surprise. That was, you know, I think one of the big, the, the biggest surprises from the CPL. I think the other thing was just how, um, you know, just how even 
the Island games were. I mean, other mm. than Edmonton, you had all the teams going into the final day kind of still in contention for a final four spot. And to see, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big HFX fan just because I love the city. I've, I've been to Halifax a few times. And I think it's just a wonderful city with wonderful people. Mm-hmm. But to see them go from last place to, um, to reaching the CPL finals, I mean, I knew that they were going to be significantly better than 2019. I mean, couldn't get much worse, but uh, <laughs> I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't see sort of this incredible turnaround to the extent that they enjoyed. And you know, full credit to Stephen Hart. I mean, he, mm-hmm. you know, he put together a really impressive squad, and I think he's he's retained a lot of these players for next year. So I think the core of that team is going to be in place for you know at least for the next several years. So I mean, Forge's Forge's run, and I think just the overall competitive nature of how even and competitive the Island games were probably the two biggest surprises uh, for me this year. Okay. And then uh, on the flip side of that, taking COVID off the table, because that's obviously going to be the answer. What do you think is the league's biggest challenge going into year three? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I got to think about that. I mean, it's, you know, obviously the COVID thing is, is huge, right? Because I mean, we don't know, you know, if there's going to be, you know, I, I, the league is fully committed to, to playing a season next year, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, but how is that going to look like? And when is that going to even take place and whatnot? I mean, those are all important questions. Um, you know, if I were to, aside from that, I think that probably the, maybe one of the bigger challenges is just um, getting more relevancy. I mean, this is, this is still a young league that, um, you know, we try our best at the league website to tell the stories of the players and the teams and to sort of do good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, guys like yourselves, and there's a few others who, who sort of pitch in in that regard as well. But I think you know the mainstream media still hasn't entirely kind of picked up on it. Um, mm-hmm. There, there are pieces here and there in, in you know the Canadian media. I think the Island Games was generally well received by Canadian sports media. But oh, I absolutely. Think, I think just kind of getting more and more sort of media um, sort of coverage, becoming more relevant in that scape. You know, you know. I'd love it to see, you know, the commissioner, David Clanahan on like Tim and Sid or, or, or on uh, Jay and Dan or something like that. I mean, I think we're, we're you know, we haven't seen that yet. So I think mm. just getting more sort of media, being more relevant in the Canadian sports market would probably be, I think, you know, one of the challenges facing the league going forward. And it's such a slippery slope, right? Because, you know, you're, you're, you're anting up indie credibility, whatever that means, the more mainstream you get. So it's yeah. always, uh, you know, you always got to, do you want to be the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? I mean, those are the question that we ask ourselves all the well, time. I'd rather be the Rolling Stones, personally. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'd rather be the Beatles because uh, I, think it's, I think it's difficult to write a song that everybody, regardless of, of social status or even language ability, can instantly uh, get lodged in their cortex, right? You hey, know? Jagger and Richards was a great songwriting duo, I'll have you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, you have you also have to forget all the blues they were ripping off, but that's another that's another story altogether. <laughs> Before, before we go too uh, deep down the uh, the music rabbit hole, because mm-hmm. I, I feel like we could, um, I did just quickly before you leave, John, here, want to ask you about David Edgar and the announcement mm-hmm. yesterday that he'll be retiring from professional soccer. Um, you know, how big of a loss is that for Forge? And, you know, what legacy does he leave as a Canadian soccer player who, you know, played in the Premier League, scored against Manchester United, um, has had quite a long and storied career for both, you know, clubs and country as well. It's a big loss. Um, you know, he was, um, 
he was a tremendous player, you know, both for national team and for at club level when he was playing in England. Um, you know, I think it, I thought it was a major coup when Bobby Smirniona signed him last summer, and he that really kind of bolstered their roster and I think solidified things at the back. And when you look at it, he played something like I think twenty four or twenty six games in all competitions since then. Um, you know, logged over two thousand minutes. I mean, I think him and Daniel Crutzen were really sort of the heart Ridiculous. of that defense yeah. and played massive parts. Um, you know, in their success. So it's a big loss. I mean, beside his sort of pedigree and, you know, his his sort of obvious quality and reputation, um, I think he just kind of set a very high standard for those around him, right? I mean, you have to remember that a lot of Forges players are young guys and some of them are playing professionally for the first time. And to be able to sort of train and be a teammate of someone like David Edgar, um, who has played at the highest level and played in the Premier League against Cristiano Ronaldo and and Wayne Rooney and scored big goals in some of the biggest, you know, parks in English football. Um, that had a huge impact on Forge's young players. So I think just his commitment, his drive, his will to win, and sort of the high standards of excellence that he set, uh, you know, for his teammates were were massive for Forge. And this this is a big blow for the team because they're losing a player who, I mean, hey, he's 33. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is a, still a relatively young man who all things mm-hmm. would be equal if he wasn't having sort of knee problems could probably continue on to play for this team and be the foundation of it for a long time. So this is a big blow. This is someone that they have to go out and replace. So uh, it's a ter- it's a it's it's a loss for Forge. It's a loss for the CPL. I think it's just a loss for Canadian soccer. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was such a loyal servant to the Canadian men's team all these years. I mean, you have to remember he was playing at a time and to the to this day too when you know a lot of Canadians abroad you know playing in Europe when they you know tell their 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 teams in Europe that, you know, they have to go home to play, you know, for in a CONCACAF game, uh, they get looked at with very jaundiced eyes, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they get so much abuse. I can, I can tell a quick story. I remember Craig Ford telling me once that, you know, during, um, during the CONCACAF Gold Cup, you know, as, you know, which obviously Canada won, he was playing at West Ham at the time, that Harry Redknapp kept calling him because West Ham was going through a goalkeeping crisis, begging him to come home. And he said, well, Harry, I'm winning. Like, we're going to the final. And he's just, and Harry's like, well, how long is this thing? Like, when is this over? Uh, so you can just imagine uh, that was, you know, 20 years ago. You can just imagine how much pressure, you know, Canadian players like Alfonso Davies and so many others really get pressured not to leave and go on an international break. It'd be one thing if they were playing for Spain or, you know, Germany, Italy, but to go play for Canada, with all due respect, mm-hmm. uh, probably something that, uh, you know, they're not too thrilled about. So, uh, and, you know, but David did it, and, and, and I'm sure it was much to the detriment of his, his career at the time, but he, he did it gladly. This was someone who was, uh, you know, proudly Canadian and who was, uh, you know, fiercely, um, a fiercely loyal servant to the Canadian national team. So it's, it's a big loss for the national team program as well, I would say. To David Edgar. Also, there, yeah. I, I don't know if that was jaundice or urine in their eyes, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the same... It's the same shade, and, and I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, uh, Mitch, you wanted to ask about the Voyagers Cup, the the 2021. Oh yeah, that's that's actually a good point. Just quickly, uh, that's what I'm here for, Val. Hot takes. Yeah, and, there you go. Yeah, hot takes your thoughts on uh, on the Voyagers Cup uh, being moved to 2021. And I guess mostly how important it is that that game 
uh, between Toronto FC and Forge actually does get played because there have been some suggestions that it might not, considering you know what Forge could do tonight to mm. qualify automatically. But I still think it, you know, for Canadian soccer, for the Canadian Premier League, it's it's an important that that game does get played. Oh, absolutely, Mitch. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I mean, it's 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 you know, I have to be perfectly honest. I'm not a the biggest fan of of uh, you know domestic cup competitions. Like, I don't get all teary-eyed about the FA Cup. I mean, I'm a big Juventus supporter, and when they win the Coppa Italia, I don't go all crazy. Uh, well, because you know, the they Copa always Italia, win the Coppa Italia. <laughs> <laughs> the Coppa del Rey is okay because you get to see Barcelona and, and Real Madrid play sometimes, but I'm not one for domestic cups. But truly and honestly, I say this in all sincerity, the Voyager's Cup is the one domestic cup competition that I really, really enjoy. I mean, I, I think it's just produced some entertaining uh, dramatic soccer uh, games and some results over the years. So it's, I think it's vitally important that, um, you know, the game gets played, even though it's not going to be played in 2020, even though, you know, potentially Forge is, is already going to qualify for the, uh, you know, the Champions League uh, tonight. It's still an important part of, you know, Canadian soccer culture. It's still an important game. Uh, and I think, you know, we now we need it now more than ever, especially what's going on with the world, right? With the pandemic, we've lost so much that, you know, to write it off and say, ah, let's not bother playing it, uh, it, w- it wouldn't be the right move. So I'm really, I'm really glad and thankful that Canada Soccer took the decision to, to you know, to and seem committed to playing it, uh, even if it means uh, taking it taking place in 2021. Yeah, yeah, I would have to agree with that. I yeah. think it would be a shame to not play it. I mean, who knows who's coaching TFC? Who knows who's playing for TFC yeah. at that juncture? Um, well, it's interesting to know that the new TFC coach, I mean, potentially that's going to be their first game in charge, right? So isn't that mm-hmm. like a big thing even more so? Oh, for sure. I'll just, uh, run, I won't eat all day long and I'll try not to swallow my own heart, <laughs> but that's besides the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but thank you so much, John, for, for taking time on this thank uh, you so much, busy John. day in Canadian soccer and, and coming on. No problem, Tom. Anytime, guys. Yep. Cheers. We'll definitely have you uh, back. Well, so how, uh, so what are we thinking? Toronto FC, uh, Forge FC, Voyagers Cup Final, Bobby Smirnionis coaching Toronto FC. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? How, uh, yeah, how no, that would, that, that would be. That would just, I mean, yeah, give me a few days. Give me a few days to get there because I, I, <laughs> I need to wash the stank of this morning off. And I, uh, uh, has Michael said anything about what's what's happening with the latest announcements or is that just going to be a fun thing that we uh, revisit later? Yeah, probably a fun thing we revisit later. I haven't. Uh, I've been trying to trying to respect respectfully scroll through Twitter during all this, and I haven't seen anything uh, anything I consider too wild yet. So um, we'll leave that for the for the after show. But I did want to one final thing on our rundown, and you know this would be probably the leading news on most weeks' shows. You're gonna this, you're gonna do it, aren't you? You're gonna yeah, do it. Yeah, I, st- <laughs> I, I, I want one last bit of Jeff hot takery because. Uh, I think this is worth it. Um, the announcement that Io Akinola has been called up to the United States national team uh, for a friendly against El Salvador. Of course, playing in this game would not mean he's cap tied. Um, he could just be window shopping. But as we all know, that's not a great sign for the Canadian men's national team system that he accepted a call from the U.S. Well, I mean, Mitch, you explained to me. You, uh, you know, I, I came back an hour after and said, "Hey, wait, it's an it's like summer camp. He's not going to get cap tied." And your mm-hmm. response was. He gone. So, <laughs> so I'd like you to explain how you know this definitively. I, I don't know it definitively. That's fair. Um, my thinking is just that, you know, 
Akinola has always talked about his national team career. Like it's something where he's going to make a decision at some point. He's, he's clearly taken a, a while to make this decision. Some of that's been the fact that, you know, for a while he wasn't a good enough player that either national team was heavily considering him to be called into camp or at least wasn't getting the opportunity to prove that he was that player. Um, so I think that clearly factored into it, but um, with that being said, I do think he took enough time now and, and talked to both national team setups um, that I would think that once he's made a decision, he's made a decision. Just everything I've heard about the situation and everything you know he said about that, I don't really see him flip-flopping back and forth. So, Do you think he's window shopping? Do you think that he's just going to get some minutes in training because the Canadian men's national team doesn't have a fixture until the year 3047? <laughs> It uh, sounds like Canada is actually going to play potentially Panama in a couple of games in January. Uh, Panama's FA has been pretty vocal about that, even if Canada's FA never will be, but uh, which could be interesting in its own Armando right. Cooper. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forget. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reunion of uh, Oso and Armando Cooper. But um, with, Listen, with how that, do I feel about it? Um, yeah. Horrible. Horrifying. Uh, listen, you know, at the end of the day, Soccer's a business. Everybody makes business decisions. I'm not in his in his camp. I'm, I, you know, I'm not a soccer player. Uh, but wow, what kind of massive balls do you need to have to uh, to commit to the U.S. men's national team as a young player? Not the opposite, where you know Bradders and, and Josie came here and, and saw what Canada has to offer. But what massive balls you would have to have to do that and still play for TFC? Do you know what I mean? Like that is just. That is that is opening up a box of Pandora's whoop ass, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I guess um, you asked me last night why I wasn't more angry or fired up about this because you love Kyle Aaron for some strange reason. <laughs> That's part. <laughs> that is part of it. I do think Canada is in a good place when it comes to the striker position. With that being said, I still think Io Akinola is a great player who would be in contention for starting with Canada. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dismiss Akinola at all in, in that sense, but. I, I just never thought he was going to pick Canada. I mean, he's played in really? the U.S. his entire time, um, as optimistic as Canada was. You know, when they asked Greg Berhalter about Io Akinola, his response was, well, he's still a U.S. player to us, which made me think he has all of the confidence in the world that he's going to stay with the United States. Yes, Charlie, um, I seriously just said a box of Pandora's whoop-ass. <laughs> I was looking for something yeah. wittier, but I got nothing. So I, <laughs> that, I, I don't know, that... that's, that's still an all-timer. But... Oh, really? Good, good, good. So I'm, yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I don't know. For, for some reason, I never I never really believed truly that Io Akinola was going to play for Canada. So I, I think I moved on before, um, you see, before I the decision was actually made. I did because he's Canadian. Not only is he Canadian, but he's from Brampton. So if anybody realizes what what we're building here, it should be Iowa Um And so I consider it an insult to national pride. And and uh, I know that that's horribly emotive, and I I'm not going to apologize for that. I can I consider it an affront um, uh, to to what we're trying to build here. I consider it opportunistic. Um, and by, by virtue of that, I find it difficult to trust the player, right? He, you know, when the chips are down, uh, you show people who you really are. And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I reserve judgment. Let's see what, what this non-cap type training camp, non-camp thing ends up being. 
And I agree with you that the more noise he makes, the the worse it reflects on him. You can't keep, you know what I mean. Even Messi, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if Messi was able to play for anybody but Argentina. But, he, but even a player of Messi's stature, if he had been, if he had made it that much about themselves and what they're going to choose, eventually you burn everybody out, and they're like, whatever, play with us or don't. Um, but I can't, you know, I uh, Owen Hargraves, Owen Hargraves. <laughs> yeah, I, and I hope I hope Canada does take this as an insult. I hope you know the the national team and and everyone like that. I mean, you know, I, I think we're we're past the years on waiting guys waiting for guys like this. I know I know you you never close doors and you're always you're always kind of uh, trying to recruit guys. I know, for example, Ricardo Ferreira, who still mm-hmm. for some reason thinks he's going to play for Portugal, even though he's been had like six near career ending injuries um, <laughs> to his knees. Uh, you know, I think you, you, you never close doors in national team, but I think you, you call guys up who want to be there. And I think Absolutely. Canada has, has guys who have both the quality um, and, and now the desire to, to really pull on that shirt and, and do something for Canada. I think that showed that against the United States. I think they've showed that in a lot of recent games. And if I was not one of those guys, then you know what? Thanks. Move on, Thanks. move on. Thank yeah. you for your service. I exactly. agree with you on that. Con- I do not. I do not want people that are settling for it. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, and I and and I don't. Wa- I want people to put on that badge, to put on that Nike dry fit red monstrosity, and <laughs> and and play their hearts out. You know Jeff, what I, I was mean? Trying to get free kits. What are you doing here? Okay, the best red kit I've ever seen. There we go. By a Lovely. brand called Nike. Whatever they're gonna <laughs> they're, like, they were gonna give us free kits anyway. Yeah, whatever i can still get him don't worry i'm charming uh but yeah no canada i mean look we we could I, I still think we have a very good opportunity to qualify for for 2022 we have a home world cup in 2026 i want 11 guys in the field who are incredibly proud to play for canada um, and you did you made a very good point we're what seven deep in forward depth mm-hmm. and i didn't mention other guys i mean you got tesho akindele who you can throw in there um, who's been on the periphery of the national team camp just because of these other guys. Superstar you know, Kyle Aaron. Superstar yeah, Kyle Aaron. Exactly. There's a lot of young guys who are in and around um, that national team setup who, you know, a lot of young guys coming up. So I, I, you know, while this is, don't get me wrong, this is a loss. This is this would be a big loss for Canada if we don't get Iowa Canola. It doesn't hurt the way it would have hurt in, in previous generations. It's a fair, fair statement. Fair, fair, fair. I mean, he's going to walk into the to the U.S. team because they've got Josie and Will Sargent and Jossie Zardes, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's another question: is he is he is he the atypical Burhalter center forward, or will Burhalter have to change his game plan for his for Io's strength and his? I- I'll be honest here. I don't know too much about the U.S. men's national team other than Greg, other uh, under Greg Berhalter, other than that they lose that, a that, lot. So, well, also that roving six, that that weirdo. <laughs> he's done it in all of his teams. Yeah. that weirdo six that kind of yeah. is like a is a is a second uh, striker or also mm-hmm. plays goal, which is fantastic. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We should we should probably uh, bring it to the. Uh, Bring things to the end there. I think Jeff's got a few more uh, Belgian sours he's got to work on here. I got a bottle um, for you, Mitch. You're gonna love this stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, not sure. Uh, not sure where Michael's at or the other Toronto FC uh, news that might be coming out in the next little bit. But we're here um, for you next next week. Yeah, oh, we're zero absolutely. and ten in predictions league, by the way. Thanks, Kevin. 
who who forgot to do the last round of the prediction league <laughs> zero yeah. for ten what are you have for you tough <laughs> um yeah at any rate the mls season will keep going on so we'll, we'll talk about season. the rest of the mls playoffs there's there's so much that will be happening over the next little bit um obviously awesome to have john molinaro on so to, awesome so awesome know, he's the, the there's the greg father but the real tfc godfather is is jmo so can he coach awesome. do you think he can coach i don't know i don't hmm. know yeah hmm. maybe maybe we found uh vanny's replacement there um fresh yeah, fresh, to... fresh apartment balcony basil during halftime for snacks yeah. michael's watching somewhere and he's like this is exactly how i expected the outro to go and jeff, <laughs> jeff and mitchell here. <laughs> just a we don't want to we don't want to stop because then i'll just start crying so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll have to deal with that but yeah yeah head over to, to waking the red we'll have all kinds of coverage of of uh greg vanny of uh, today's Forge FC game, all, all kinds of uh, content over there. Um, on behalf of Michael and Jeff, thank you so much for watching this long, crazy episode that we had today. And next um, Tuesday, like, we're gonna we're gonna be right back, wrapping up more uh, more exactly, TFC news. Yeah. <laughs> if we know anything about Toronto FC, it's that one domino, you know, brings several others. So um just sign like fabregas show. just make me happy sign <laughs> fabregas god damn it i want says fabregas on my team god damn it just give <laughs> me my get michael on just to let me wrap this thing up just to yell <laughs> you for me. all right i'm done um, i'm done but, but if you do like the show head over to itunes give us a rating uh otherwise until next tuesday um you know let's see what else is in, in store for us over this next week buckle up buckle up kiddos cheers uh.